breaking news. The federal election interference case against Donald Trump is now postponed indefinitely. The trial was scheduled to start March 4th, but the ongoing appeals about Trump's claims of presidential immunity are making that start date impossible. And Ryan Goodman is out front. So, Ryan, um, here we are, uh, that this has been postponed indefinitely. And I guess, you know, they're awaiting an immunity ruling. Uh, but what does that mean? I mean, I understand it's we knew it was going to be postponed. Right. I mean, that was understandable at this point because we hadn't gotten the ruling. But nonetheless, indefinitely does sort of have a heavy weight to it. It most certainly does, uh, because the judge, Judge Tutkin, could have put down another uh, somewhat provisional <laughs> date for start of trial. But she didn't, uh, which gives us a sense of just how suspended uh, the action currently is as we await the D.C. Circuit. And as she even suggested, if and when she gets the mandate from the DC circuit. So uh, it could be that by the time they issue a mandate, her calendar is already full. Uh, so it really is just gonna be waiting to see when that trial could start and if it could even start in the spring or the summer at all. Which, I mean, is incredible that we've reached this moment. I mean, advisors to the former president are telling CNN, you know, given what you're saying, uh, that they think this is a win for Trump and the campaign. Is it that clear cut? I'm not sure it's that clear cut, but it's certainly a good day for him. Uh, this is good news for him. Uh, the reason that it might not be that clear cut is that in a certain sense, the district court is sending a signal to the DC circuit. Uh, she's basically saying in a certain sense, uh, this, is being, this is very disruptive uh, to the trial. Now I've had to suspend everything. So that puts a little bit extra pressure on the DC circuit to rule. And so we might still see a ruling from the DC circuit then the Supreme Court decides whether or not it wants to act, and then everything could be put could be put back on track. So, definitely a good uh, day for President Trump, but not necessarily out of the woods. So, in the context of what this means for the other trials against Trump, obviously, you know, you've got the question marks in Georgia that that are out there right now. That that could mean Alvin Bragg's hush money case, uh, which is the one that had been seen as the most politicized, uh, but it is a criminal case. That could be the one that goes. First, after all of this, right, when he had, had sort of acquiesced and moved it so that that wouldn't be the case. But it looks like it's conceivable that it is first now. I would put my money on the idea that that's going to be the first case. And it might be the only case. It might be the only criminal case that's actually brought to trial before the election. Wow. But it's definitely it looks like it's going to be first. And I think that's another windfall uh, for President Trump. Because, as you say, it's it's certainly the weakest of the criminal cases. It has the least gravity to it, it might not even come with a real serious risk of imprisonment. It's that weak of a case in that sense. And it's also predicated in part on witnesses like Michael Cohen. So it's the case that if he were to wish which case would go first, it would be that one. All right, Ryan, thank you very much. And I mentioned the Georgia case as well in this context, and there was a bombshell admission in that case today. The Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, finally admitting that she did have a, quote, personal relationship with her top prosecutor. The announcement coming almost a month after the scandal first broke. Now, Willis filed a 176-page court filing. In it, she argues there are no grounds to dismiss the case or to remove her from the prosecution. So she's fighting back. And she's countering accusations that she financially benefited from the relationship with Nathan Wade. There are a lot of specifics as to why. And Paula Reed is out front in Washington. Paula, you've had a chance to go through 176 pages. What have you learned in there? A lot, Erin. As you can see, it is voluminous. This is the first time that they are publicly responding to these allegations. Let's go through some of the things that we've learned. First of all, 
We know Nathan Wade was appointed in 2021, but he revealed today that what he describes as a personal relationship with Bonnie Willis actually began in 2022, so after his appointment, and they say it grew out of their pre-existing professional relationship. But Aaron, as you know, the accusations from former President Trump and his co-defendants are not limited to concerns about a personal relationship. They also point to the fact that Wade has earned hundreds of thousands of dollars while overseeing this high-profile case. And during that time, he and Willis have gone on vacations, and he has at times paid for some of those expenses. But today, Wade denied that his earnings had been shared with or provided to Willis, saying, quote, at times, I have made and purchased travel for District Attorney Willis and myself from my personal funds. At other times, District Attorney Willis has made and purchased travel for she and I from her personal funds. So it's basically saying, when we travel together, we split the check. Now, Willis, in her part of this filing, she insists that none of this meets the legal requirements for her to have to be disqualified from this case. She insists that none of the substantive decisions that have been made here, the charging decisions, uh, the plea deals that have been brokered, none of these have been influenced by their personal relationship. So all of this sets up a February 15th hearing, Aaron, where the judge overseeing this case will consider this disqualification question. Now, among the witnesses who could be called, Willis and Wade and some of their colleagues. So not surprising, uh, they are seeking to have that hearing canceled. All right, thank you very much, Paula. So I wanna go to Michael Isikoff, the chief investigative correspondent for Yahoo News and the co-author of Find Me the Votes. It details the inside story of the case led by Fannie Willis against Trump in Georgia. So Michael, you've spent an enormous amount of time with her while writing your book. You've spoken to Wade as well. Uh, were you surprised at all by the revelation that they had uh, this, this personal relationship? I guess they say this goes back to 2022. Very significant that they're saying after he was appointed, right? right. So he wasn't appointed because of it. I wanna emphasize that's what they're saying here. Um, but were you surprised that the relationship was even going on? Um, I think it's been pretty clear for the last few weeks that there was a relationship there, a uh, intimate relationship. Uh, uh, Fonnie Willis all but acknowledged that when she gave that speech at the at the black church uh, on Martin Luther King Day. She didn't quite say it, but if you read between the lines. But look, uh, you know, I think this filing today could go a long way to diffusing this whole controversy. If you take a step back, the, the motion filed by Ashley Merchant, the lawyer for Michael Roman, one of the defendants, basically argued that there was a financial and personal conflict of interest here because number one, um, uh, Fonnie Willis hired somebody she was having an intimate relationship with, paid him lots of money, and then used that money so that they could right. all go on lavish vacations. So if in fact the relationship had not begun at the time she hired him and they shared the costs of these trips, that kind of really uh, uh, knocks down the predicates for some of the motion. The idea was, that somehow they wanted to prolong this case so they could so Nathan Wade could make more money to take Fonnie Willis on lavish vacations. It was speculative from the start. You add these two facts, uh, and it kind of like uh, undercuts the basis for the motion. There's going to be a hearing February 15th. We'll see whether the uh, judge wants to get into an evidentiary hearing. Yeah. Um, but I'd be surprised at this point if he does. All right. Trump was pushing these accusations against Willis and Wade, of course. Here's some of what he said. She paid her boyfriend, a lawyer who had no experience as a lawyer and no experience doing what? Almost a million dollars 
And then they decided to go on beautiful Norwegian cruise lines, trips all over the place. He was a very generous person with our money. Now, again, they're saying it didn't start till after he took the position. Um, and mm -hmm. I would presume that if that's not the case, people are going to come forth out of the woodwork and make that clear, right? So yeah. they're, they're, they're swearing to the fact that it didn't. So, um, but you write in your book that Wade was not even at the top of Willis's list. So this would mean not only did the relationship start after he was hired, but in fact that she herself did not even want to hire him. Exactly. She had a hard time finding anybody to take the job as we write and find me the votes. I mean, she reached out to a number of high profile people. Roy Barnes, the former governor of Georgia, Gabe Banks, a former highly regarded federal prosecutor, and they turned her down. Why? As Roy, uh, as Roy Barnes is quoted in her book, in his, in our book, hypothetically speaking, do you want to have a bodyguard uh, following you around for the rest of your life? Yeah. They were worried about the threat threats that were coming from Trump supporters and, and something that Fonnie Willis was experiencing every day. And, 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 and just briefly, uh, so much so these threats that she had a body double Yes, this is one of the most dramatic, extraordinary stories of this whole saga. The night of the indictment in August, where she makes that late night announcement, it was about midnight to all the press corps, the uh, Fulton County staff had picked up an assassination threat on a MAGA website. The best time to shoot her is when she leaves the building. So they arranged this whole elaborate decoy operation. Fonnie Willis goes back from the press conference to an office, her office takes off her black business suit and pearls, gets on, puts on sweats and a, a baseball cap and a body double, somebody on the staff who resembled Fonnie Willis, you know, puts on the business suit underneath a con over a Kevlar bulletproof vest and drives out. Fonnie Willis is smuggled out the back door of her office to an undisclosed oh. location. All right. Well, I hope people will read more because that is an incredible story. Uh, sad, but incredible. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm always glad to see you.